0: Chapter 6 of The Pot Hunters by P. G. Woodhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Olivia. The Pot Hunters by P. G. Woodhouse. Chapter 6 A Literary Banquet. Charteris and Welch were conversing in the study of which they were the joint proprietors. That is to say, Charteris was talking and playing the banjo alternately while welch was deep in a book and refused to be drawn out of it under any pretext charterous banjo was the joy of his fellows and the bane of his housemaster being of a musical turn and owning a good deal of pocket-money he had at the end of the summer holidays introduced the delights of a phonograph into the house this being vetoed by the housemaster he had returned at the beginning of the following term with a penny whistle which had suffered a similar fate upon this he had invested in a banjo and the dazed Miraville, feeling that matters were getting beyond his grip, had effected a compromise with him. Having ascertained that there was no specific rule at St. Austin's against the use of musical instruments, he had informed Charteris that, if he saw fit to play the banjo, before prep only, and regarded the hours between seven and eleven as a close time, all should be forgiven, and he might play, if so disposed, till the crack of doom. To this reasonable request Charteris had promptly acceded, and peace had been restored. Charteris and Welch were a curious pair. Welch spoke very little. Charteris was seldom silent. They were both in the sixth, Welch high up, Charteris rather low down. In games, Welch was one of those fortunate individuals who are good at everything. He was captain of cricket, and not only captain, but also the best all-round man in the team, which is often a very different matter. He was the best wing three-quarter the school possessed, played fives and rackets like a professor and only the day before had shared tony's glory by winning the silver medal for fencing in the aldershot competition the abilities of charteris were more ordinary he was a sound bat and went in first for the eleven and played half for the fifteen as regards work he might have been brilliant if he had chosen but his energies were mainly devoted to the compilation of a monthly magazine strictly unofficial entitled the glow-worm this he edited and for the most part wrote himself it was a clever periodical and rarely failed to bring him in at least ten shillings per number after deducting the expenses which the college bookseller who acted as sole agent did his best to make as big as possible only a very few of the elect knew the identity of the editor and they were bound to strict secrecy on the day before the publication of each number a notice was placed in the desk of the captain of each form notifying him of what the morrow would bring forth and asking him to pass it round the form that was all the school did the rest the glowworm always sold well principally because of the personal nature of its contents if the average mortal is told that there is something about him in a paper he will buy that paper at your own price today he was giving his monthly tea in honor of the new number only contributors were invited and the menu was always of the best it was a punch dinner only more so for these teas were celebrated with musical honors and charteris on the banjo was worth hearing his rendering of extracts from the works of messrs gilbert and sullivan was an intellectual treat when i take the chair at our harmonic club he chanted fixing the unconscious welch with a fiery glance welch yes if this is your idea of a harmonic club it isn't mine put down that book and try and be sociable "'One second,' said Welch, burrowing still deeper. "'As what you always say,' said Charteris, "'look here. Come in.' There had been a knock at the door as he was speaking. Tony entered, accompanied by Jim. They were regular attendants at these banquets, for between them they wrote most of what was left of the magazine when Charteris had done with it. There was only one other contributor, Jackson, of Dawson's house, and he came in a few minutes later. Welch was the athletics expert of the paper, and did most of the match-reports. "'Now we're complete,' said Charteris, as Jackson presented himself. "'Gentlemen, your seats. There are only four chairs, and we, as Wordsworth might have said, but didn't, are five. All right, I'll sit on the table. Welch, you worm, away with melancholy.' "'Take away his book, somebody.' "'That's right. Who says what?' "'Tea already made. Coffee published shortly. If anybody wants cocoa, I've got some.' only you'll have to boil more water. I regret the absence of menu cards, but as the entire feast is visible to the naked eye, our loss is immaterial. The offertory will be for the church expenses fund. Biscuits, please. I wish you'd given this tea after next Saturday, alderman, said Jim. Charteris was called the alderman on account of his figure, which was inclined to stoutness and his general capacity for consuming food. Never put off till tomorrow. Why? i simply must keep fit for the mile how's welch to run too if he eats this sort of thing he pointed to the well-spread board yes there's something in that said tony thank goodness my little entertainment's over i think i will try one of those chocolate things thanks welch is all right said jackson he could win the hundred and the quarter on sausage rolls but think of the times and there observed charteris there my young friend you have touched upon a sore subject Before you came in, I was administering a few wholesome words of censure to that miserable object on your right. What is a fifth of a second more or less that it should make a man insult his digestion as Welch does? You'll hardly credit it, but for the last three weeks or more I have been forced to look on a fellow being, refusing pastry and drinking beastly extracts of meat, all for the sake of winning a couple of races. It quite put me off my feed. Cake, please." good robust slice thanks it's rather funny when you come to think of it said tony welch lives on Boveril for a month and then just as he thinks he's going to score a burglar with a sense of humor strolls into the pav carefully selects the only two cups he has a chance of winning and so to bed leaving master j g welch an awful example of what comes of training said jim welch you're a rotter isn't my fault observed welch plaintively You chaps seem to think I've committed some sort of crime, just because a man I don't know from Adam has bagged a cup or two. It looks to me, said Charteris, as if Welch, thinking his chances of the quarter rather rocky, hired one of his low acquaintances to steal the cup for him. Shouldn't wonder. Welch knows some jolly low characters in Stapleton. Welch is a jolly low character himself, said Tony, judiciously. I wonder you associate with him, Alderman. Stand in loco parentis aunt of his asked me to keep an eye on him dear george is so wild she said before welch could find words to refute this hideous slander tony cut in once more the only reason he doesn't drink gin and play billiards at the blue lion is that gin makes him ill and his best break at pills is six including two flukes as a matter of fact said welch changing the conversation with a jerk i don't much care if the cups are stolen one doesn't only run for the sake of the pot Charteris groaned. Oh, well, said he, if you're going to take that high moral standpoint and descend to brazen platitudes like that, I give you up. It's a rum thing about those pots, said Welch, meditatively. Seems to me, Jim rejoined, the rum thing is that a man who considers the pav a safe place to keep a lot of valuable prizes in should be allowed at large. Why couldn't they keep them in the boardroom as they used to? Thought it'd save trouble, I suppose, Save them carting the things over to the Pav on Sports Day, hazarded Tony. Save the burglar a lot of trouble, I should say, observed Jackson. I could break into the Pav myself in five minutes. Good old Jackson, said Charteris, have a shot to night. I'll hold the watch. I'm doing a leader on the melancholy incident for next month's glowworm. It appears that Master Reginald Robinson, a member of Mr. Merivale's celebrated boarding establishment, was passing by the pavilion at an early hour of the morning of the 2nd of April, that's to-day, when his eye was attracted by an excavation or incision in one of the windows of that imposing edifice. His narrative appears on another page. Interviewed by a glowworm representative, Master Robinson, who is a fine, healthy, bronzed young Englishman of some thirteen summers, with a delightful boyish flow of speech, not wholly free from a suspicion of cheek, gave it as his opinion that the outrage was the work of a burglar a remarkable display of sagacity in one so young a portrait of master robinson appears on another page everything seems to appear on another page said jim am i to do the portrait i think it would be best you can never trust a photo to caricature a person enough your facial h b s the thing have you heard whether anything else was bagged besides the cups asked welch not that i know of said jim "'Yes, there was,' said Jackson. "'It further appears that that lunatic, Adamson, "'had left some money in the pocket of his blazer, "'which he had left in the pav overnight. "'On inquiry it was found that the money had also left. "'Adamson was in the same house as Jackson, "'and had talked of nothing else through the whole of lunch. "'He was an abnormally wealthy individual, however, "'and it was generally felt, though he himself thought otherwise, "'that he could afford to lose some of the surplus. "'How much?' asked Jim. Two pounds.' At this, Jim gave vent to the exclamation which Mr. Barry Payne calls the Englishman's shortest prayer. "'My dear sir,' said Charteris, "'my very dear sir, we blush for you. Might I ask why you take the matter to heart so?' Jim hesitated. "'Better have it out, Jim,' said Tony. "'These chaps'll keep it dark all right.' And Jim entered once again upon the recital of his doings on the previous night. "'So you see,' he concluded, "'this two-pound business makes it all the worse.' I don't see why, said Welch. Well, you see, money's a thing everybody wants, whereas cups wouldn't be any good to a fellow at school, so that I should find it much harder to prove that I didn't take the two pounds than I should have done to prove that I didn't take the cups. But there's no earthly need for you to prove anything, said Tony. There's not the slightest chance of your being found out. Exactly, observed Charteris. We will certainly respect your incog if you wish it wild horses shall draw no evidence from us it is of course very distressing but what is man after all are we not as the beasts that perish and is not our little life rounded by a sleep indeed yes and now with full chorus please we take him from the city or the plough we dress him up in uniform so neat and at the third line some plaster came down from the ceiling and Merivale came up, and the meeting dispersed without the customary cheers. End of chapter 6